we don't make any money on coaching. We don't make any money on education, but we just want to constantly provide value. Hello, and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Kevin Amos. Kevin, how are you doing today? Dude, Todd, I'm so glad to be back. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. So, Kevin, um, man, I don't know. You you were on the show, right? So how how long ago was that? Gosh, it's been feels like a couple of years. Like, we we talk quite <laughs> a bit. Least, You've been on man. my podcast, but it's been it's been a minute. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. So a little bit about uh, Kevin. So just to, to reintroduce him, uh, for, formed Hind Financial Group in 2008 after leaving a small mortgage company as a senior loan officer uh, and. Uh, Kevin has built that company into a pretty awesome company, uh, very active today. Um, you guys are funding mainly flips, right? Single family uh, flips. And I'm going to, you might, you might've expanded more, but I know Colorado, Minnesota, are you in any other, any other areas? Yeah, we do some business in Wisconsin, up in Milwaukee, and right across the border there from the cities. And then we, um, within the last two years, we decided to go back into D.C. So that's an interesting story, but we're back loaning in Washington, D.C. Got it, got it. What? T- tell me the story. What's the, what's the story? So when you when you have a company like this, and we have note, we're generating notes, and notes are great because they produce cash flow and it's very steady and secure. Yeah. Um, well, you get you'll get pitched by like people who want to invest in these notes, right? So you have, think about your family offices, think about your hedge funds, those, those guys. So we get, we get pitched every, you know, a couple of times a month, probably people wanting to invest with us or buy notes, these kinds of things. And so we had a hedge fund that was hoarding us for quite some time. And they really wanted to be making loans in Washington, DC, because they had some relationships there. The manager of this fund did. So we said, well, we, we got together and said, why don't we build the system? And you bring the money. So we'll we'll originate, we'll underwrite, we'll service. You bring all the money. And it just it just takes a long time to get something going. And we didn't do a good job. I didn't do a good job of setting expectations. So they were expecting us to get, you know, like three million, four million dollars out the door immediately. And it just takes time to build the relationships and get the marketing machine and all of that going. So they decided to reduce their exposure. And once you do that, it kind of like, well, now what are we supposed to do? Because we yeah. we can't go around telling people we can't fund their deal, right? So we we had to make the difficult decision to separate from that hedge fund. And um, we just went back because we already had all the, you know, the relationships established. I had the meetup group that people were active in. And, and so it was just an easy target to expand when we were ready to go. So how long... How long were you in the market? Then how long were you out of the market? Yeah. Gosh, let me think about this. So we, we were in for about six months. And oh, I'm, I'm guessing here a little bit, Todd. What's that? That's it. Only six yeah, months. Yeah, it was, it was pretty okay. short. Really right? short. So it was pretty short. Um, but it's still six months is enough time to get your beatups going. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, we well, were traveling you're out putting there. a lot of, of marketing and travel. And yes. Did, like you said, the meetups. And so you're you're laying all the groundwork in that first six months. So yeah, how meeting the association you, owners and all of that, right? Yeah. How long were you out of the market then? Now, like three years, probably. 
Okay. So yeah. Did you continue the meetup and did you continue some of that outreach in the market or did you just kind of let that market go? You know, it's interesting you ask that because yes, we kept it all and we were, we would do webinars on the meetup, right? We're not flying out there to, to do yeah. an in-person mixer networking event because yeah. um, we're not doing business there, but we definitely invited that meetup group to all of our webinars. We tried to keep them active. And then I started hearing like, you know, um, well, actually this is a, this is pre COVID, but I think meetup at one point, if you weren't meeting in person live, they were going to remove your, remove your page or remove your meetup group or whatever. Oh wow! Um, but you know, I think with COVID and all that, that's people yeah. were meeting online. So you couldn't do that. So I, I think we were able to save it even though we weren't meeting, but now, yeah, now we're back out there. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. One of the things that I think you guys do really well, um, that, you know, you so, I mean, you guys are hard money lenders, right? So you're lending right. on your target is single family fix and flips. Right. Um, and, and one thing that you guys do really well is provide that education and you're providing it certainly as a marketing tool, but you're also just providing it. Um, I, I've spoken at your events and right. I'm not speaking about fix and flips, right? And so you're right. not only providing education on fix and flips and that, but you're also providing education on all kinds of other uh, avenues in real estate that would, I don't know, not necessarily be your competitor, but it doesn't lead somebody down the fix and flip route, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, we teach like wholesaling, for example, like you don't need yeah. money to wholesale. Right. But I think if I could help people make money and I can improve lives, first of all, that's what I want to do. But second, I really believe that that, that will come back. Right. They'll, they'll, there'll be a referral or when they are ready to do a flip, they might call me. So we don't make any money on coaching. We don't make any money on education, but we just want to constantly provide value. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys do a pretty big, um, educational day in the twin cities and you don't don't make money on that no you know that's a break even and sometimes it's a loser yeah i was gonna say maybe i I don't (laughs) i don't know i know how much it costs to run a conference and it's definitely uh not cheap and you are not charging a lot of money for for that day so it's providing a ton of value for people but that is the thing like i've spoken i haven't um I don't believe I ever used Pine for because I think when you guys entered the market, I was pretty much done flipping. I so. Um, so I don't believe I've ever used you guys as, as a hard money lender. But one of the things that's happened because of the education that you guys provide, and I've been a part of it and um, gotten to know you and, and your team, is that I refer you guys all the time. Thank and, you. But it's it's not because I just want to refer. It's not. It's, it's just it's just easy because it's like well I know these guys and I know they do business and I know you and I know your team and I know you guys are ethical. But you've put yourself out there enough for it's like that's an easy referral. Like I can I don't even have to think about it. Somebody says who's a, who's a good hard money lender. Well, the only the the main name that comes to my mind is well it's Pine, right? Because you guys have become that group that everybody thinks of. And so, yeah, you want to be the thought leader, right? The right. exact reason you're doing the podcast. Yeah. And so my point is, I guess, to my listeners is that's a, this is Kevin, you, your company is a great example of being a thought leader in the industry 
not really worrying about your marketing in what you're doing, right? You're, you're marketing, but you're providing this great education. Um, and I've never seen you pitch, uh, in any of the education that you you've provided. So it's, it's really cool. Thank you, Todd. You know, I, it's interesting that you bring that up because it was, <clears throat> this is probably a good piece of nugget here for your listener, but early on in my career, and we all start like this, but you really need that transaction, right? Because you got to pay the mortgage, you got to pay for your kids' school supplies, you got to pay, you got to pay for all these things. So a lot of us work on fee, like it's a fee-based, right? So you have to have that closing to get paid. And then you're so focused on this closing, this one closing, because you need the money for whatever it is. Half the time it's spent before you even got it, (laughs) right? But once you have the, when I was able to to shift my mind to focus on adding value and not worry about the money and just, you know, the money will come. If I just focus on helping this person improve their life, um, once I was able to make that shift, that's when all the money started coming in. So it's pretty crazy, but I still remember so distinctly um, as I was going through that process of getting my mind to, to just think different. What was there anything you did like, or was there like a, a an event that happened that made you go, Whoa, that this is what I need to do. You know, I don't know if there's an, there's a specific event, but you, you read business books, you read finance books. You're constantly, you know, anybody listening to this is like, I would consider a high achiever and they want to improve, <clears throat> improve their life. So they, they're out there trying to do that, right? They're self-improvement. So, I'm sure everyone can relate when you're reading these books and, and you're sh- hearing the same message over and over, it just kind of starts to, to settle in. Right. So that's, that's really what it was, but I don't know if there's anything distinct. It's just hearing the message over and over. Just, just educating yourself really. And then that's, that's the key is once you start surrounding yourself with that knowledge, you become, you start to become it. Um, yeah. I think that's so key for anybody. I can't remember when I transitioned from flipping, uh, and doing smaller rentals to doing larger rental properties and doing syndication. Syndication was so foreign to me, um, yeah. but I started listening to the, uh, all these podcasts and uh, talking with people that were doing it and, and just like getting to know some of the words around it and the splits and all that kind of stuff. And before I did my first deal, I was an expert in syndication. It's, it's funny. Like yeah. Yeah. I knew everything, but I didn't. I, and I hadn't even done a deal yet because that's amazing. You surround yourself with people. You're just, it's like you're drinking from the fire hose. And you just keep on going. You just you just stand your ground and let it let it hit you in the face and, until you finally start to absorb it. Yeah, and Todd has no excuse anymore, right? Back when you and I were starting, it was yeah. like you really had to go to the bookstore and buy a freaking book off the shelf, yeah. right, and then go home and read it. Now it's like. I could be listening and, and and getting my freaking master's degree in real estate yeah. through podcasts as I'm driving down the road. Like that wasn't a thing. So yeah, now it's I like remember. there really isn't. Yeah, there's no excuse. I remember no going to the library and renting out uh, an audio tape. Yeah, there were tapes. CD, right? <laughs> yeah. And putting it in my vehicle and then driving around. I remember listening to Carlton Sheets. And talking about driving for dollars. And here I am listening to Carlton. I'm behind the wheel. He told me to go look for the ugly house and then knock on the door. And you go, you know, look at the ugly house, knock on the door. And the guy tells you to get the heck out of there. <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> get off my lawn. I don't know who you are. Uh, but Carlton told me to come here. <laughs> 
But man, it's, oh, but you have to go through those processes, right? Yeah, so what, yeah. one of the things we do at, at Pine um, is we do a, a monthly mastermind group for the employees. So it, anyone, it's a total mm. optional thing. So anybody that wants to come together, we meet one time per month. And all we do is brainstorm and try to help each other with our, our own personal real estate transactions. Yeah. Like, how can I help you build wealth, right? And so one of the, really one of the guys, <laughs> one of the guys is like, um, he's trying to get comfortable right, with just the, the whole idea so we have him cold calling, you know, that's a good way to start. Any any good salesperson is going to start knocking on doors or cold calling. So he's calling, going through the script, you know, Fizbos and Furbos. And um, it's actually quite, quite fun to, it takes me back, right? And, and yeah. I could like, like, I could help him lift him up, you know? <laughs> I love it. That's really cool <laughs> that you do that for your employees. I think some people are scared of doing things like that for their employees because they don't want to lose them. They know when they educate them and they become motivated that they're going to lose them. Eventually they don't, they don't want them to, to fly from the coop. So uh, I think the exact opposite. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying really and it's yeah. Cause think about it. If, if I'm adding so much value, why would you want to leave? Yeah. Right. So I'm just like, this is actually a, an employer retention strategy. Um, I'm obviously I want to do it because I want everyone to be successful, but um, I mean, there's Good argument for it being a retention strategy. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think though the the fear is that it's that it's you know they're going to all of a sudden learn so much and then basically steal your secret yeah, recipe, right? And it's like that's oh. such a limited mindset. Todd, and you know this better than anybody. It's that's the mind shift I'm talking about. Once yeah. you get the abundance mindset, like there's enough for us all, guys. Once you can get that mindset and start trying to help, then I think, I think it just changes your world. Seriously. So you've written a couple books. Um, the latest one you wrote is fund your flip. Um, right. that one, how, what, just a month ago about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So a month ago you released that. Um, why, I guess, explain the book a little bit and then why, why, why write a book? There's already books about flips. Yeah, there, there are books about flips, but I can tell you what there's not. And it's a book about any book about hard and private money and using that to fund flips. And there's a quite a lot of information and how you could use hard money. Look, people are afraid of it, right? You yeah. hear the high interest rates I, and the by points the way, and all this. I'm one of those people, Kevin, that was very afraid of hard money when I was yeah. in the business. Yeah. And it's like, I remember my first fix and flip when I did and, and all I knew how to do is negotiate lease options. So I go into this freaking house to, to, to negotiate this fix and flip and I'm negotiating a lease option. It's like the exact wrong tool to use in that situation. Right. But I didn't know any better. Hard money is just a tool. It's not going to be for every situation. So if I could teach people how to have this one tool in the tool belt and they could pull it out when they're ready to use it. Right. So I, I that's why I wrote the book. There's, you can get bits and pieces of hard money and other fix and flip books, but nothing dives deep into this. Like we talk about how to, how to stack the debt with MES financing and equity and different, different mm -hmm. strategies you could use. Like how about we, you know, owner carries coming back, right? So how about we use the owner to, to supply the equity so I can go get a bank, uh, a bank loan and, or use, use some MES to get, um, you know, like what you do with your syndications, you do a, a, a preferred equity position, which really is just an equity, uh, disguises debt, right? It's debt disguises equity, right? So yeah. those types of strategies so that you can get deals closed, that they don't go into detail like that in the other books. Yeah. No, that that's a really good point. I think, you know, look, if you're if 
if you're going to be flipping houses, wholesaling houses, that that's something you really need to know. Um, you go in there and, and plus, if you're going to sit there and negotiate with somebody that's wanting to sell their house, you don't know what their reason to sell is. And if you only have one solution, you're just missing on a lot of potential deals, right? I mean, if somebody's got to close quickly and we know we can go to Pine and get this loan and get it done quick and we can get that closing done, then hard money was the right answer. If totally. this seller doesn't need the money and and, and would rather finance, then, then hard money is not the right answer, right? Right. So it's just having, I like how you said that hard money is just a tool. It's just one tool in the toolbox. It shouldn't be the only tool. And you do, and you got to know how to use it. So how let, let's go through, I mean, you wrote a whole book on it, right? So certainly it, there's more than one way to use hard money or the right and the wrong way. So let's, let's talk about a little bit of that. Are there like maybe key things that we can pull out of that book? So yeah, let me back up just a tad here, Todd, because the only reason I wrote this book is because of what we were accomplishing with our live in-person event. So we do a we do a hard money lending class. And it was really just to help people understand, you know, the concept of hard money and how to use it as a tool, as we described. And then we went and got CE credits and, and realtors love it because they can get more transactions closed, right? Well, this class, the feedback we were receiving year after year is look, because of you and this class, I was able to do X or Y. And it's millions of dollars, Todd, that people were making because of this class. And then the feedback is I'm learning more in this two hours than I learned in my weekend seminar or my my coach, my coaching program from one of the, the you know, flipping houses shows, you know? And, and so I was like, well, there's something here. How can I get this message out to more people? So that's what's in the book. It's just the, it's the class like on steroids because there's a lot more detail in it. Uh, but I'll give you a, a perfect example. And, and we all know the, the strategy, the burst strategy now, but when we were getting started, we didn't have a term for it, right? We just, right. we just did it. Yep. So the yeah, way this a lot of burrs before burrs were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, me too. <laughs> too. I built a whole portfolio on this strategy, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, at that and lease options, but I mean, if you can get into a property with very little or even no money down in some instances, so there's still hard money lenders out there that do no money down financing, right? So if you could find that and, present the deal to them that they're attracted to it. And then you could buy a property with little or no money down, get it fixed up, get the tenant in there and get it working, get it cash flowing, and then refinance into your permanent 30-year debt, right? So that's a way to acquire property with very little down. And if you're not putting money down, how many properties can you buy, right? Yeah. You might be limited on some, some caps with the Fannie Freddie guidelines and that kind of thing, which there's strategies around that too. Um, but you're not going to be capped by capital. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's one... That's one strategy I think is maybe often overlooked. You know, people think, Burr, well, why don't I just put my money into it and then I'll try to get my money back out in a refinance? Well, it's not quite that easy. You know, yeah. what if you just don't ever have, have money into it in the first place? Yeah, right, right. What if you can get, go to that hard money lender? And and I think a lot of people think that hard money is only in the case of doing a flip. They don't think of it in that Burr situation. We can we can get the money quickly. We can close on the property. We can do our strategy and then we can, we can refinance with a long-term lender. You're not a long-term lender. You, you don't want these properties long-term. Right. You're the solution for somebody that only wants, they, they want to get rid of you. Like 
you want yeah. them to want to get rid of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a perfect. It's, it, we want them to pay it off. They want to pay it off. It's, yeah. you know, that's what helps keep our investors safe. If I, if I'm turning money every five months, you know, I'm, I could limit my exposure to market risk. Right. So it's, I, it, it's all a strategy to, to, to mitigate risk and to bring consistency and stability as to an investor's portfolio. So there's two sides of the business, right? I, I'm mentioning it now, but we raise private capital and then we loan it out. So there's, there's really two sides to this. How do you mitigate risk for your investors that you just mentioned? Because you are inherently in a risky business, right? Flipping houses can be risky um, just simply because you're buying a property and you're you're fixing it up and you're hoping that the market behaves well and you're hoping that you 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 come under budget and you can actually sell it right uh yep. we all know what happened in 2008 and um so and there's always that fear right i think everybody's mind that we all remember 2008 through 2013 yeah. um nice little run there yeah nice little run uh, so, so everybody's mind goes back to that, right? I, I think you hear it. It, fe it feels like you hear it every year or two, like, oh, we're going to have a crash. Yeah. Again. So anyways, That's right. how do you mitigate risk for your investors? Um, so, so that, you know, they're not exposed as much to market shifts. Yeah, that's a great question, Todd. And it's really comes down to two things. It's your underwriting and your servicing. So on the on the underwriting side, I mean, we're going to underwrite a deal very similar to the fix and flipper would, right? And there is risk in fixing and flipping. But I tell you, on the debt side, you're far more safe. In fact, I should even say this. Fixing and flipping isn't real estate investing. I mean, I... I, I, for some for some reason, that just really bothers me because as soon as you stop flipping, you're off the treadmill, right? Yep. You, and the money stops coming in. You got to get back on the treadmill and start running again to start earning income. Now you can earn a lot of money, but you're not building wealth, right? Yeah. Unless you're taking those profits and investing it in syndications with, like with you or doing your own rental properties or something like that. Um, so I don't, I'm not, I don't particularly like fixing and flipping. I can, I, I make money because of that. So it's funny for, to hear me say that, but I like, I think people should be building wealth with, with long-term investments, rentals yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, but to back to your question, the, the, there is risk in fixing and flipping. That's, that's why I like the debt side of the business because I'm the very first person to get paid. I don't, I don't have the risk of um, as much risk a, a, as the owner of the property. Right. So some of the guidelines that we like to follow, the big ones are, you know, low loan to values. We want to make sure that the the deal is going to pencil. So we're at 70% of the property's value. That way, if there is some market movement, at least we have a little bit of cushion there. Um, and then liquidity. This is one of the biggest reasons for default is not enough liquidity. So I'm telling you that we could do no money down financing. That's true, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't have any money. Like you yeah. should definitely have money in the bank to handle an overage in your construction or an extra couple of months of marketing time or, or something like that. So those are the two big ones. Obviously we run profitability and sometimes stress test deals. Like what, what happens if the market shifts, how much money are you going to make? Are you still going to be profitable? Um, and then on the servicing side, we just stay on top of it, right? We, we do our inspections. We're out there at the properties, looking at them, making sure the construction is going as planned. Um, we require monthly payments I know a lot of hard money lenders don't do that, but I, I do that for two reasons. One, if there's going to be a problem, I've never had a, a borrower call me and just say, hey, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm out of money, right? So, but if you don't, if that payment doesn't come in, then I know, then I know, I know. that there's a problem and I could yeah, jump in front smart. of it, right? 
Yeah. Um, and then right. the other one is it creates pressure for them. So if there's pressure on them with the monthly payments, they tend to move a little faster yeah. and they end up making more money. So I think it's good for all of us. Other than missing a payment, what are red flags that you will see when you, and you say, okay, we better start reaching out to this borrower. I think something's going on here. Are there certain things that you guys see that you guys yeah. maybe have even implemented your business to make sure you're checking those areas? That's such a sophisticated question, Todd. It's almost like you've done this before. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the payments, the big one, right? But if they're if you're the construction draw requests aren't coming in as you mm. had planned. Sure. So if it's a slow request or or it stalls, um, that would be one. Sometimes we'll get notified about um, mechanics liens or if this if it gets shut down by the city um so we'll look for that kind of thing um insurance is a big one if they miss if it lapses or misses an insurance payment um a lot of this is i mean almost all of it i guess it comes down to their financial position the the trouble and fix and flip game if you get in trouble it's because you don't have the money yeah 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 it, it, i so i want to go back to what you said about fix, fix and flips you're not, I agree. You're not an investor. It's not, it's not real estate investing. You're, you're simply, it's, job. it's, it's a job and it can be a business, but it's a fix and flip business, right? It, it, it can, it's just like running a construction company. I mean, this is essentially what you are. You're essentially a contractor, right? You're running yeah. a construction company, you're fixing up a house and then you're selling that. Um, you're your own client in this case, but um, I do think it's a great strategy for people who are getting started in the real estate business, or even if they want to continue and do it as a business, run it as a true, true business. Um, that's something I quite frankly have thought about. I used to flip a lot of houses that, you know, as, as you know, and I think about it sometimes still today is like, eh, really? maybe I should flip one house a year. So my kids can be a part of it, right? Yeah, so they can totally, and so they can start learning the business. And I'll get them, you know, into the house, and it will be kind of their project. So I think it's a great strategy. So I don't want to, I don't want to discourage people from from that. But I agree with you. It's not, it's not real estate investing. Fix and flip in order to buy assets, right? Uh, that's that's what I think is the better strategy. Or did, yeah, to, I couldn't agree more. And I'm not trying to downgrade. I, look, I make my money loaning to people fix and flip, right? But yeah. I just, I don't particularly like it, the business. I think it's very challenging. It um, is challenging. But yeah, you can make a ton of money. I mean, I see my some of my clients making, you know, six figures a deal and they're doing eight, 10, 12 deals a year. I mean, yeah. so you can definitely make a high income by doing it. I just don't want to confuse that with, yeah. Yeah, I just don't want to confuse that with investing. That's yeah. all. Yeah, you're not making seven figures in flipping houses and still hanging out at the beach, you know, yeah, exactly. uh, for, for two months. Yeah, it's just I'm, I'm telling my clients all the time, look, you guys are killing it. Can you just take every third one and buy a rental? Like, how about yeah. that? You take the profit from this one and buy a rental every third or something. I mean, I, got, I get it. You got overhead. You got all these things, but... Gosh, at some point you got to build a portfolio here, and maybe you don't like rental, so you invest in syndications or whatever it is. But let's just take a little bit out and invest it for for the future. That and I'm honestly, sound like a financial planner now, but I mean, I just I care about them, right? So it's like I I could see it. 
but but you see it and you know that you understand that that's that's truly the best strategy. I mean, that's how I built my portfolio is I would flip about three to four houses and I would keep one of them. And it wasn't like a perfect science, right? It wasn't, it wasn't exactly that, but I would pick out the ones that I liked the best. Sometimes I would, I would keep three properties in a row, right? And I, I wouldn't flip any for a month because I'd be keeping them. Sometimes I'd flip seven in a row, right? Because I didn't like to keep, I didn't like it. None of these, these all suck to keep, right? <laughs> but but the, the point is like, you're saying you're, you're building this, job take some of the profits off the table and you know keep them as as a rental or you know invest in a syndication invest in your fund um those types of things uh with the flips what you mentioned mesdat and you know different debt tools to use uh explain explain some of the strategies around hard money or, or like getting these properties like how can people get into a flip and in different ways yeah so you know a lot of people that have um, a lot of investors that have limited resources go out and try to to bring in the capital right so they'll go out and raise private money they'll bring in partners to help them with their fix and flip the problem with that not necessarily the problem i think it's all fantastic but one problem with that is it's very expensive. Like if you start sharing profits and and you're doing well as a fix and flipper, you're making, yeah. you know, decent, it gets very, very expensive. So I would just encourage the listener here to at least explore some debt options because debt is going to be cheaper than equity if, if the deals are good, if they're profitable deals. So can you layer in some debt and, and, and reduce the amount you have to share in the equity side by, by, you know, a lot? and then keep a bigger chunk of the profit for yourself. And look, your debt partner, a hard money lender, isn't going to be out there making decisions, right? They want you to do the job. That's what you do. That's your job, not mine. Yep. But your partners might be, you know, I don't know about that color. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna pick the tile, you know? <laughs> so it's like debt partners are going to be silent 100% of the time unless there's a problem. Yeah. So I think... I think just exploring some debt partners, if you want to call it that, or hard money lenders instead of physical equity, you know, partnerships um, might be a good way to, a good thing to look at. Kevin, I, <laughs> so I used to, I used to take uh, investors equity and I started doing equity. I switched it over to, to more of a debt type structure when I was flipping. Um, but when I first started, I was doing like 50, 50 splits with my, with my money. And the, the last time I did that, well, I shouldn't, maybe it wasn't the last time, but when I realized that I was doing it wrong is I made like 80 K on a house and I had to give my investor a $40,000 profit check. And I looked at the amount of interest that I paid and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like this is a six month loan. The guy borrowed me like 70 grand and I gave him his 70 grand back plus $40,000 in you know, like five, six months. I mean, and you should be happy because you just made a fortune. I was happy, great, but right? it, it kind of feels dirty. Doesn't it? <laughs> it was like, what am I doing here? This is so wrong. So I reduced my split to a, to a 40, 60. And then because because I was already running that 
kind of model. And then I quickly changed it to then just paying smaller interest payments and, and then using some hard money. Like I said, I, uh, you, you weren't quite in the market. I don't think at that time, but, uh, but I realized like, holy cow, that equity I was giving away so much money, so much money. I mean, would you would be happy if somebody came up to you and said, Hey, Kevin, like, look, you're just charging way too little. I'll give you $40,000 for six months. Just so funny, dude. We get, we get calls like the, the deal didn't go as well. Oh, can you reduce how much we owe you? Can we reduce the, but I don't ever get the phone call. Hey, this one really did well. I'm going to yeah. pay you a little bit more, you know? <laughs> Nobody wants to give you more <laughs> for some reason. Oh man. Um, how can, how can people get your book? I want people to get it. I think it's a, I think it's, Look, if you're anywhere in the world of fix and flips, of uh, wholesaling, of burrs, uh, any of that, I think definitely valuable. Yeah, I, I I agree, and it's so affordable. I think. I mean, I had I'm not sure what the price is right now. I can go look, but by the time this comes out, it's going to be less than ten bucks for the physical, um, the the hard, you know, paperback. Yeah. Um, it's just fundyourflip.com. Um, and on there, there's some resources that you can use in the book. Like the there's calculators. In fact, I think it's the only one. It's the only one I've ever seen on on a Burr strategy calculator. Hmm. Um, so that's a it's a little bit more complicated to build that right. So that you don't see that very often. But you can get that on there, and then and then that'll take you right over to the Amazon page where you can purchase the book. So fundyourflip.com. And then you got all kinds of events. And again, it doesn't matter what you're doing in in real estate. I you you're going to cover it um at some point in time so if you're in minnesota colorado do you do events you do events in in dc now do you do events in wisconsin too we don't no okay. but we do a lot of it a lot of it's online now so the hard money class that we're talking about that we do that on online so yeah. i mean, i think the in person is just so much better like in that class we go through like an actual deal, like who's working on a fix and flip right now. And then we, we analyze the deal live right that's there. Really so that's, cool. that's really cool. But um, you can't really do that so well on, on a zoom, but yeah. So in DC or Wisconsin, you can get, um, you can get on some of the zoom events that we're doing and then Minneapolis and Denver where we do a lot of events there. In fact, the, I mean, and you're saying we cover pretty much everything now we're not an expert in everything. Right. So we bring in people like you to come in and share the stage with, and you tell us about your expertise. So we, we try to cover everything just by bringing in local experts. We like the locals, not the, not the national guys, because they, they seem to really care and understand the market better. Is, and can you find that at Pine Financial? Yeah. If you go to pinefinancialgroup.com and then there's an events page on there. It's like you got to go to the menu and down to the events. Kevin, um, let's switch over here. I want to ask you favorite book um, that you've, you know, either read recently or something you really want to recommend to our listeners. So fund your flip this book that no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, it's so easy to just go to the rich dad, poor dad, right? Because that's how most of us have gotten started, but I'll tell you what, what, what I'm really enjoying right now and it's traction. And the reason for that is because we're at a level now we really are trying to scale. Hmm. So we have 13 people and we, we have about $160 million that we have under management that we make in, for these loans, right? So Traction is a great book for someone who's a, at least a little bit established and is ready yeah. to go to the next level. Right, have you implemented the Traction system? Are you uh, going to that extent and like hire? Because they, they've got their own 
consultants and their own program that you can just plug in. Um, right, have you gone to that route yet? Yeah, we haven't paid for it. So I've, I, I know it's very expensive to have an implementer come into your organization. Yep. Um, but I, I mean, the book is actually pretty good. So it's, pretty it's not easy to implement it. I'm not saying that, but it, I mean, it does give you like the path, right? The map. And so we just, I'm working with my leadership team. I have an, an executive team of three. There's three of us and we meet, we have our, you know, our quarterly meetings and we are implementing traction. So we're doing some of the things like rocks with our team. So every, every quarter we do, we call it a 90 day plan, but it's really just your five rocks that we want you to focus on this quarter. And if you do that, you get, you know, part of the bonus, you, you get to participate in the bonus plan. And the bonus is all based on profitability of the company. So we're sharing profits with the staff, um, but you have to hit the rocks. And, and we got that from traction. So then and now we got the meeting polls. So now we're going to start doing the scorecard and, and, and the way you view your, your people and that kind of thing. So we're, we are implementing it. It's just very slow. Yep. Yep. Everybody that I know that's implemented traction, whether they did it on their own or they hired um, the implementation team, absolutely loves it. It's lovely. So. It's, it changes. It will change your life for sure. Yeah. But you know, the E-Myth, that's, that's another fantastic book, mm -hmm. the E-Myth Revisited, if you're a business owner. Um, that's where I, the whole idea of getting out of the business and working on it instead of in it, right? That's where that, I mean, that's where I got that idea from. And, and then it's just like building your systems, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great book. I love that book. Um, okay. Last question. Actually, I think I'm going to ask one more before I ask that one. What's a mistake you've made and how have you learned from it? Oh gosh, we could do a whole podcast on this one. So I got, okay. So the, the, the mistake, <clears throat> gosh, where do I even go? I bought a, I bought a hotel that I thought I could convert to apartments and I couldn't. Um, that was a pretty big one. That was probably my biggest mistake as far as um, money goes. Why I think my you, why couldn't you? the city wouldn't allow it? I didn't check. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was an extended stay hotel um, that in Branson, Missouri. So there was it's very uh, it was almost like a, it was like run on cash. It was crazy, but people would people would want to pay for cash. That tells you the clientele, right? Well, it turns out my manager was like pocketing the cash and not not even sending it to me. So it was just like it was a whole mess. Um, that I had a drunk driver drive through one of the buildings. Jeez. So. It's quite quite the uh, quite the mess there, but I think my biggest mistake, I think, is my very first tenant, Todd, and it's amazing to me that I'm even. It amazes me that I'm even in the business still after this, but that's that's the tenacity, because um, I put a tenant in without screening them. My very first tenant became my very first eviction, and um, it was it was it was bad. I was like getting some, a little bit of threats. Um, they were running some kind of business out of there. There was like car stereos like stacked up, like a whole inventory wall. Um, they had stolen guns hidden in the attic. When I finally got them out and I had to do the cleanup, I didn't have enough money for the cleanup. Um, so I'm over there like doing it myself and it was totally infested with roaches, like toward the point where they were like dropping off the ceiling oh, as you're walking. Oh my God. Um, they were coming out of the light sockets or the plug. So um, I think the, the biggest lesson was just being too anxious to fill up a property and not doing any diligence on the tenant. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is huge. And I've made that mistake before. I think I've always done the background checks, but then sometimes you ignore the yeah, big exactly. red flags because you, you just want that you, check so you bad. You need yeah. it. You need it. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you what though. And I know this is cliche, but no tenant is better than that tenant. A hundred percent. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oftentimes it's better. Just leave your building vacant. If you can't find somebody yeah, to totally. fill it, that, that you just, just leave it vacant. Um, all right. So last question, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Oh, gosh, that's such a good and tough question. Um, you know, for me, freedom or financial uh, wealth creation is like freedom, right? So I think we're we're all going for that. We want we want to be able to do what we want when we want with who we want. And and I could tell you I've ex I've experienced both sides, like having that and then being like going bankrupt, right? So I could tell you the freedom, what we're all shooting for. That means an awful lot, and and money can create that for you. Um, but it's also part of that that freedom is being being able to do what you want. So do you want to help other people? And like so many of us do. So it's being able, having the the capacity to to actually make a difference. Yeah. And then finally, uh, I, I really do think wealth is is relationships. Um, you can have all the money in the world and terrible relationships, and we hear the stories all the time, and you could be miserable, right? So money won't make you happy. I, I believe that. I think not having money will make you unhappy. So I think money's important, but the relationships are far more important. Yeah, I think there's this statistic out there, and who knows, like what the actual number is, but they've they've got numbers of you know you're once you hit you know 100k of of income a year or whatever it might, might be more now with inflation. I've heard this. Maybe yeah, it's a, maybe it's 130 now, but once you hit that income, you're no happier than if you were at double that, triple that, quadruple that, like there's a certain threshold that that's where you're like no longer financially worried. And I think that's the biggest thing. Are you, if you're financially worried, you're going to be less happy. If you're financially totally. kind of feel good about it, then that burden is lifted off your table. It's, it's not so much. Can I buy a bunch of crap? Can I go get Louis Vuitton, you know, whatever they sell, it's, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. It's, am I worried about paying the bills? Am I worried about my kids? Am I, you know, am I worried about financially supporting ourselves? And once that's covered, I think every, you know, and it doesn't matter as much. So, yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I mean, I, <clears throat> I drive this like old car, it's 2015. It's like 140 something thousand miles on it. And, Every month or so, I got to put a quarter oil in it because it's burning oil and I can't figure out why, right? I could go out and buy a different car, right? But that's that doesn't necessarily make me happier. And I see other people with really nice cars that make far less and and they're not happier. So yeah. it's like I could do I could do much better things with that. So I don't, I don't know why I just said that. No, I agree. I mean, I I think it's it's all about what you think is important, right? Some people some people the car does make them happy, like having that car has been a lifelong dream of theirs. It makes them happy. They love cars. They love a luxury like that. And it makes them happy. Go and buy that car. That's fine. For me, I could care less. You're going to give me a, uh, a 2010 Chevy Silverado versus a, you know, brand new Mercedes. Like I could care less. I, I, I me too. It, I don't want to be broken down on the side of the road. That, that would make me unhappy. That would make me unhappy. <laughs> yes. Yes. I agree with you. But, but for some people, like ha they love that certain car, like that's amazing for them. And maybe that makes them happy and that's okay. Yeah. That's fine. For me, I would rather take that money and I'm going to come visit you in Colorado and we're going to go hit the mountain. Like that would make me happier going, you know, totally. skiing down the mountain. So, yeah, all right, man. Well, more. 
it's been a pleasure. Uh, appreciate it. Listeners fund that fund your flip. Um, check out that book and, uh, just, you know, look, Pine Financial, Kevin, other than, other than fund your flip, pinefinancialgroup.com, any other ways people can get in touch with you? I think those are the best. I mean, I, I still respond to my own email. Um, so if you want to email me, it'll be me that responds. It's Kevin at pinefinancialgroup.com. Uh, but yeah, pinefinancialgroup.com. There's a ton of information on there. Links to our YouTube videos and, um, lots of resources. Cool. Kevin, pleasure having you back on and you oh, have a fantastic great. rest of the day. Yep. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like, uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out. And, uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.